when we read God's Word, typically we try to find something for us. Nothing wrong with that. Or if you're asked to preach, you try and find something to preach on. Nothing wrong with that either. Today's title is called Identity Determines One's Response. And the admonition is to read God's Word, and we want to talk about how we read God's Word. And we're going to use a biblical portion as an example of a principle I want to teach you today. But identity determines one's response. How I perceive myself and how I perceive you will determine how I treat you. And if, and if you stand before me and you say you are Jesus Christ, God's Son, and I don't believe you, I will treat you like you're not. Whether you are or not, I will treat you like you are not God's son. When I go to the scripture and I read it, and if I don't believe this is God's word, it changes how I read it. And how I perceive myself, who I identify myself with. And so we identify as Christian or we call ourselves Christian, and yet many, many times we behave in a most unchristlike manner. Boy, that's good water. John chapter 14, verses 12 to 14 say this. Okay, the Gospel of John was written by John. It was written about 30 years after Matthew, Mark, and Luke were written. And so John, in retrospect, he looks back. He sees everything Matthew, Mark, and Luke wrote. He's encountered Jesus Christ. He's lived with him. But 30 years later, he says, okay, now I'm going to write something else down because there's some things that are missing. And we've got to be clear on this. It's an important point. When I, you get a letter in the mail... Or a long email, pardon, not email, but a, but a long letter. Where do you start reading? No, you don't. If you get a three-page letter in the mail, where do you start reading? The end. You want to find out who wrote the letter. Am I right? You start at the end. Who's writing? Okay. Then you go back to the beginning and now you read the letter. So it's important who is writing. Who are you? What relationship do I have to you? Why should I listen to you? Why should I care? So we start at the end. So I'm telling you, John wrote, when he wrote this book, to address things that were not there, that were not clear. So John 14 verse 12 says, Truly, truly, I say, this is Jesus speaking, I say to you, he who believes in me, who identifies Jesus Christ as God's Son, the works that I do, he will do also, And greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. This is just an intro to it. We ask God, we ask Jesus to intervene for us, for things for us. And Jesus says, you ask me and I will do it. Who will do it? He will do it. It's an important little point. It's not, I ask so that I can do it. No, 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 no. He will do it. Okay. Um, The the Jewish governmental leaders and the the, the people in Jesus' day, they would try to manipulate and use Jesus for their own purposes, but it didn't work, so they wanted to kill him. Now, the culture that this was written in was this. It's like you all drove here in vehicles and chose to be inside this building. There were no cars when Jesus was here. Did you know that? People walked. 
and you were born in one location and you typically lived your entire life within a two, three mile radius. And you walked everywhere you went and you knew everybody. I remember as I grew up in the country, I would walk who lives here and I knew everybody in my neighborhood, good, bad, and the ugly. We knew it because it was small. We lived in a rural community. In Rwanda, when I preach this, it works so well because they live in a village and they get it. They say, of course, we know everybody. You don't have to tell us that. We know everybody. Over here, we don't. You walk down the street and I ask you, who's that living next door to you? And you don't have a clue. Or across the street. We're in isolation. We don't understand it. Then we go to places of meeting and we talk. So we envision Jesus talking here at a meeting place of people have gathered together for him to talk. Not what happened. It was in a public forum, out in a public meeting place, and people were walking and gathering and hanging out together, and that's where he would talk. So John 5, verse 19, uh, what happened here now in, in John 5, Jesus heals a guy who's uh, unable to get healed, so Jesus heals him. And people see Jesus healing somebody, and they know, by people want to follow Jesus, and they want to do what he says, and, and really we want them to follow us and do what we say, and how can we use him to, to, for our purposes? And so in John chapter 5, verse 19, they challenge him, who do you think you are raising, the, healing this guy, and who gives you the authority? What gives you the authority? They want to know who, who's written the bottom of the letter. Where's this letter coming from? Where are you coming from? Whose authority are you coming here with? So John 5, 19 says, Jesus therefore answered and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself is doing, and the Father will show him greater works than these so that you will marvel. I want you to understand something. You and I are sons of God. And the term son refers to adult son coming into the full rights and possessions of an adult. Not a child, but an adult. An adult who understands his father's wishes. This is God the Father saying, I want to be in business with you guys, okay? Let's get a business going together. Me and the sons. And I want you to be full participants in this venture. I want you to own all the benefits of a successful business, all the privileges that come with it, all the advantages, they are yours. And I want us to grow this together, this venture, this business, because you are my sons. And so God is, he's talking about Jesus the son, but Jesus is our older brother. He says, call me brother. And so I think I'm quite safe to say this applies to you and me. And if Jesus says, I only do what my father tells me to do, what do you and I do? And, and Rob shared it in testimony. We, if we do only what the father tells us to do, then we're in pretty safe ground. And he gives us the power to do it. The father does only what the father says. The father loves the son. And shows him all things that he himself is doing. And the Father will show him greater works than these so that you will marvel. Do you identify as an adult child of God? How do you mature and grow up? You need, we need to read God's word. What does he say? Um, our family has been down, our extended family. And 
we, we sat at the dinner table and talking about a lot of different things. And our son, Mike, who many of you know, is now over 40. Crazy, our youngest son is over 40. How does that happen? And so we're sitting at the table and they're talking about drinking different things and milk. And I said, I don't drink milk. And he said, what? I said, I, don't, I, can't, get it, I can't get it down my throat. It, it doesn't work. He said, what are you talking about? I said, I, I can drink chocolate milk. I can sugared milk, but not milk. It just, it's never worked since I was this big. I, I can't swallow it. Mike sits there. He says, how did I not know that? <laughs> All these, how did I not know you don't drink milk, dad? I don't know. He learned something new about his dad. You see? We read God's word and we learn something new every single time. Well, how did I not know that? Because we're maturing in the Lord and it's relational. And he wants us to know. Another point, there's always a story behind a story. We read history. I, I've studied what happened in the Holocaust or the genocides or, or missionaries coming to North America or Mennonites coming to Steinbeck. There's always a story behind the story. Always. And so if we come and say, this is why I am, and this is what I do, and this is how I do it, there's a reason for it. There's a story behind the story. And I love to hear the story behind the story, and it's important. Now, there's basic questions that I like to ask. These are journalism questions, and and they're fifth grader questions. I love fifth grader questions. I find in life that most of the serious, serious questions can be asked by a fifth grader. And if you answer it, so a fifth grader understands, beyond that, we're good to go. So I like asking simple, simple questions. And when we come to Scripture, there's five questions that, that I like asking. I'm talking now about a specific way of reading God's Word. Rather than, what, do you say, what can I get from it, or what sermon can I preach, or how can I use this beat to beat somebody up? I've done that too. Bad idea. So the questions are this, first of all, who is involved? Who is speaking? Or who is writing or who is leading the thing? Who is there? That I want to know first. Then I want to know what happened. Where did it take place? When did it take place? Why did it happen? And how did it happen? Who, what, where, who, what, where, when, how, and why? Who, who impacts everything? Who I am, or see, identify myself as, who will interpret how I view the what, how I view the when, and the where, and the why. I bring myself to the situation, to every situation. Now, our kids received a Christmas gift this last year, our grandkids, not from us, but you understand why I said that. Called virtual reality. Do you guys know virtual reality, James? You put on these goggles and you're like in, in the scene. You're, you're there. I tried a, a road racing game and I got so sick it took me almost an hour to recover. It was freaky, man. So he says, well, somebody asked me, have you done, done the VR game? Yeah, two times. The first time and the last time. <laughs> But they kind of know my passion, so they, they went and they uploaded a, a, a fishing, fishing game. Okay, okay, I'll go fishing. So I got the virtual reality lens on, and I'm, I'm fishing it. And they keep telling me, well, do this and do that. Well, I know how to fish. 
I said, why is this thing not working properly? I said, what do you mean? I said, well, I do this and I cast, then it's supposed to go out and I cast. Then I catch a fish and he says, oh, move the rod this way and that way. He says, no. Well, the fish is going to jump. Raise your rod. I said, no, when the fish jumps, you put your rod down, not up. If you pick your rod up, you're going to lose the fish. And they said, dad, it's a video game. <laughs> I says, it's not very realistic. For all the virtual reality, it's not very realistic because anybody that's fished for bass knows that when the bass jump out of the water, you put your rod down. And if you've got a walleye, you pick your rod up. They say, Dad, it's a fishing game. It's a game. If you take this approach to reading the scripture, and we take a portion of scripture, then we say, okay, Holy Spirit, will you transport me into the scene? And I want to look around and see what do I see. Because the information in Scripture is very limited, but we can see a lot of things. You don't form doctrine from what you imagine or what you see, but it's really interesting to see. So we're going to read in John chapter 8, verse 31. Quite a lengthy portion starting there. And I'm going to commentate as I go through it. Now what I've done in my, in my notes, I've taken the commentator part, verse 31, so Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him, and I have it in black print, which is how it was printed when they first printed it. Then I have the words that Jesus said in red, just so that I can differentiate what's going on. It helps me to understand. And then I have the words that other people said, the not commentator and not Jesus, but other people, and I put them in different colors. So I get kind of an idea of what's happening over here, right? You, you immerse yourself into the scene. And that fishing, virtual reality fishing thing, and I, they said, oh, Dad, you unlocked the level. I said, everything looks the same. So well, you have to look around. So I looked around. I was sitting in a great fishing boat. And you're looking all around, and it's like you're on a boat. It's just freaky. It's virtually real. I was going to grab the fish when I got him. Anyway, so here we have Jesus. Jesus is talking, this is a public forum. And in this public forum, there's Jews. There's Jews who identify him as from God's son. Government people are, are there. We know that because they're always there. The Roman Empire ruled everything and they had government people everywhere to make sure things were on tab and weren't getting out of control. So you've got government people there, you've got Christians there, you've got Jewish people there. And, and what would happen in this, in the public kind of form is, now culturally what happens if you present yourself to somebody, if I say I'm a, I'm a good mathematician, culturally what would happen is you'd go into public form and present a mathematical problem and other mathematical brains would challenge you to defend what you're saying. And it, it was a way of validating who you are. And the people speaking were not so much even speaking to you as they were speaking to the crowd. So you, you think you're Mr. Smart? Rob, you think you're smart here? And I would ask Rob a question, but in asking him the question, I would be addressing you guys. Hey, Rob, what do you think about this? <laughs> He's here speaking to the crowd, challenging Rob. You understand? Yeah. So here's Jesus Christ, Son of God. 
healing people, saying, I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And there's people there that say to him, oh yeah? Prove it. Remember, this was written 30 years after Matthew, Mark, and Luke were written. Well after the fact. John is remembering and he writes down. So prove it. We got to get the scene in our minds. So what happens is, so Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him. So the crowd is there and there's Jews in the crowd who believed in him and he's addressing them. Got it? If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Very good. Verse 33, they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Who answered the question, the statement? Jesus was addressing the believers in the midst. Who made this statement? Was it the believers? No, 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 no. It was the non-believers in the crowd. We can tell by the quest, by the statement. They're challenging him. So they're standing among all the believers. And Jesus says to the believers, if you continue in my word, then you're truly disciples of mine. And then somebody gets up, gets up and addresses the crowd, saying to Jesus, Jesus who's over there, we are Abraham's descendants and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say we'll become free? Challenging Jesus. Challenging the people around them. Who are you? What's going on? Jesus answered them. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. So now he's talking to the unbelievers, right? The Christians are there, and Jesus is defending himself. A public defense. I love this. It's like, you want to push Jesus? In this portion, he does some pushback. Ooh, 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 I love it. There was a time we were in, in a part of Rwanda teaching. There's about, whatever, 40, 30, 40, whatever, bunch of people there. And there was a government, I know he was a government person, in the crowd, put there to challenge me. On the doctrine of complementarianism, which means, whatever. So he was put there to challenge me. Now, two weeks prior to that meeting, I had done a study in my Bible for no reason at all. It just, I had done a study, I had masses of verses answering a question, a hypothetical question. So as I'd done the study answering the hypothetical question, I had three pages of notes with all the Bible verses. And this man stands up in a public forum and asks me the question I had answered in my journal. How sweet is that? I looked horribly smart. <laughs> the truth is, I could only answer one question. And that's the one he asked to challenge me. So he challenged me. And I said to him, I see that you have a very strong argument for a very weak point. Push back. As I see your challenges from 
um, history or it's from um, sociology, anthropology. I'm not hearing you make an argument from Scripture. Do you have an argument from Scripture? And I waited, and he pontificated again. I says, I have yet to hear an argument from Scripture. As I do not presume to be entirely an educated person. However, I know a bit about God's Word, and you're not talking to me about God's Word. You're talking to me about a lot of things, and not God's Word. So if you have something from God's Word, let's discuss it. And if not, then why don't you sit down? Well, first of all, the guy translating says, I I can't say those words to this guy. (laughs) Do you know who you're talking to here? You cannot do that. I know whose authority he is under, but I also know whose authority I'm under. We got finished. Never heard from him again. And a lot of the pastors said, thank you for defending the gospel. But I've experienced a bit about what Jesus is going through here. Just a taste of it. And I like it. (laughs) I like it. So I really identify with Jesus in this situation. And don't worry about what you're going to say when those things happen. Just keep reading the word and studying. And then God's going to have you have studied whatever it is that you're going to need for the time. Don't worry about it. Okay. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you seek to kill me, because my word has no place in you. I speak the things which I have seen with my father, not just from my father, but with my father. I speak the things which I have seen with my father. Therefore, you also do the things which you have heard from your father. You're telling me your children, your sons of Abraham? I get that. I'm a son of God. I say what only what he says. But you tell me your sons of Abraham. And Jesus is challenging them. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. So, yep, Abraham is our father. That's who we listen to. That's who tells us what to do. Jesus says to them, if... See, I love the pushback, eh? You just feel the tension? If you're Abraham's children, do the, a deed, do the deeds of Abraham. But as it is, you are seeking to kill me. A man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God, this Abraham did not do. You are doing the deeds of your father. Now they said Abraham was your father. And Jesus is saying, you're not doing what Abraham would do. And he's saying to them, you are doing what your father would do. They said to him, now this is a low blow. We were not born of fornication. We have one God. What are they saying to him? You're an illegitimate child. You don't even know who your dad is. I want to use the vernacular, but my wife says I can't. You're the illegitimate child. You don't even know who your dad is. You're talking to us? Yeah, we're Abraham's children, but you, who are you? Running around like you're God's son. What is that? What kind of story is that? The the angel came and God hovered over Mary. Yeah, right. That's crazy. You're nuts. 
And so they gave him the low blow, the personal, personal attack. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and have come from God, for I have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. See, even his defense of himself, he says, my father defends me. I don't have to defend myself. My father defends me. Why do you not understand what I'm saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father, the devil. Politically incorrect or what? <laughs> I mean, they're challenging him and pushing back. And he says, I know where you're from. You're from the devil. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. <laughs> And you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature. For he is a liar and the father of lies. The identity of Satan is a liar and he speaks lies. You are speaking lies. Your identity is with Satan, the liar. But because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I speak truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God, hears the words of God. My sheep hear my voice. For this reason you do not hear them, because you are not of God. The Jews answered and said to him. See, it's a very public debate. And it's a challenge to identity. And this is a battle that rages inside of us. Who is this speaking to me? I read God's word. We hear somebody speak a truth. Somebody shared we need to pray. Read God's word. Who are we listening to? The Jews answered and said to him, Do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Now, two weeks ago Rob was talking about the Samaritan who was deflecting and saying, Where should we worship? And so what do the Jews now do they identify Jesus with the Samaritan? So they want to deflect the discussion because he knows the Samaritan discussion is going to go to where should we worship? On this hill or this hill? And Jesus does not follow the red herring. Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. But I do not seek my glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Jesus does not seek his own glory. He lays himself down. He humbles himself. Being humble and meek does not mean you can't at some time give pushback. But you don't defend yourself. The Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died and the prophets died also. If anyone keeps keeps my word, he will never taste of death, is what you're saying. Surely you are not greater than our father Abraham, who died. The prophets died too. Whom do you make yourself out to be? Who do you think you are? Jesus answered, Hallelujah, holy, holy, the great I am, the great I am. 
If I glorify myself, my glory is is nothing. If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. And you have not come to know him, but I know him. And if I say that I do not know him, I will be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it, and he was glad. So the Jews said to him, You're not yet 50 years old, and you have seen Abraham? Some people just don't know when to quit, you know? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Who is your father? Who is your older brother when you get beat up in the playground? The great I am. What did Jesus do? Only what his father told him to do. What does he ask of you and me? If you just do what dad tells you to do, you'll be okay. He says, you know, I came to this earth and I did only what dad told me to do and it worked out okay. And we say, yeah, but you got crucified and you died. He says, yeah, I know, but it worked out really well, didn't it? You see, we have a problem when we don't want to get crucified and we don't want to die. And we try and make it God's idea that we don't get crucified and don't die. We humble ourselves. We lay down our life. And God the Father will do things amazing in and through that encounter, that experience. And when you do that and you taste it more and more, you get to the point where I want to die again. Because you want the life that comes from the dying. Verse 59, therefore, so how did they respond to him? They picked up stones to throw at him. If we do not accept Jesus Christ as God's son, then we have to do away with him to try to kill him. And then Jesus pulled the greatest ninja move of all time. He slipped through the crowd unknown. (laughs) I love it. What are you afraid of? They picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Hid himself? Yeah. They couldn't see him anymore. and He just left. What are we afraid of? The spirit that was in Christ is in you and me. God our Father, Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, Messiah, Savior, King, our older brother. So here we are in the story. 
whom do we identify with in the story? Hmm? Are we the believing Jews who have come here and say, Jesus is the Messiah? This has been prophesied for years to come. He is the Messiah. The identity of Christ is the issue. Remember when Jesus talked to Peter, he said to Peter, who do, Peter says, who do people say that I am? And they told him all these things, and he says, who do you say that I am? That's the issue. Who do you say Jesus is? Doesn't exist, didn't exist, whatever. Who do you say? So, do you identify as believing Jews, children of Abraham and brothers and sisters of Jesus? Or do you identify as unbelieving Jews? The ones who sat there and said, I don't believe this. No, I don't accept this. Do you identify with the Samaritans who identified with the place of worship? Oh, I worship here. Oh, I'm a, I'm a Mennonite. We Mennonites, we got it down. Okay, which Mennonites are you? You see, because there's better ones and worse ones. Well, I'm from Yantzid. Oh. And it doesn't matter. We have so many, you know, my, my denomination is the best one. My church is the best one. My, this is the best one. And then it's a short step from if you're not part of us, then you're not even going to heaven. You're not part of the family. And that's where the Samaritans were at. And that's where a lot of the people were at. Well, if you don't, if I don't see you in our church, you're not going to heaven. And who are you? Maybe you're undecided. You're observing, uh, taking comfort in not belonging to either one. See, I haven't committed yet. Something I find interesting in, in, in today's world is that we have three categories of things that we pray for. Three categories. We have the things that are clearly spiritual that we need to pray about. Who should I marry? There's other things, I think, too, that we call spiritual. Then we have things that we clearly call as evil or demonic. Should I go kill my neighbor? You don't have to pray about that. But at the same time, there are things that, that are in the ter- territory of Satan, where he has us doing things that are bad and that are evil, and that we all agree are bad and evil. Then we have another, a third section, us Canadians do. We call it the other section. You know the other section? Where should we go on a vacation? Hmm, I don't know. What do you think? What do the kids think? We don't pray about it because it's the other section. Where should I go to school? What should I do? We don't pray about it because it's other. Should I keep my job? Should I look for a different job? What should I do? I can't tell you how often people have come to me for counsel and I've asked a simple question. Have you asked the Lord? No, that, that, that might be a good idea. I'm asking you, they say. You ask the Lord. No, 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 no. But we have the other section. I have searched scriptures to try and find the other section. It doesn't exist. 
Even in James, he says, when you're going to go do business, you say, tomorrow I'm going to go there and do business. You need to say, Lord willing, I will do this. Scripture says we make our plans, but God directs our steps. What's our steps? Day by day, moment by moment. And we call those sections other. Other is anything that we don't ask God about or submit to God, which God says is actually the enemy's territory. So we have this vast section called other, that's a gentle road into completely the enemy's way. Other. Why do we have to ask? Have to ask? God who wants only good things for us, wonderful things for us, do I have to ask? I get the opportunity to ask. We're in business together with our Father. We get to go to Him for counsel and wisdom. I have a a mentor in my marriage, in my father, who happens to be the father of my wife. And I've found when I want to go to him and complain about my wife, he says to me, you need to understand you're complaining about my daughter. Because before she was your wife, she was my daughter. We call it the other section. What do we pray about? Pray without ceasing. Read God's word and pray. Are you in the undecided crowd? There's no such thing as undecided. No such thing. Are you coming to Rwanda with us on January 15th? Anybody here? Oh, you've decided that, have you? Anybody else decided or are you all undecided? If you don't get a ticket, your undecided will be decided for you. All us undecided about whether or not we're God's children or He's our, our Savior, there is no such thing. Number five, are we a slave to sin? Jesus talked about being a slave to sin. Maybe we don't even know it. I was a slave to sin for many years and I didn't even know it. Many different things I was involved in and trying to to take care of me and I didn't realize it. Did you know you can be a slave to sin and a pastor of a church? Leading from the flesh? Manipulating, controlling. And I think Satan even wants to help you build a huge church. And you get all full of yourself. I wanted to do that. God knows how to humble me. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Or, everybody has a father. Who is my father? Is God the father your father? Don't have to defend yourself. Don't have to promote yourself. Nothing to prove. Nothing to lose. Nothing to hide. When people come and say, Who are you? What's going on? With Jean Paul in Rwanda, I talked to some Rwandans about how God is using him over there to reach the children. And this Rwandan guy says, Dave, I, nothing makes sense here to me. 
about what's happening. I says, tell me, what do, from a Rwandan perspective, what doesn't make sense? Well, first of all, he's born into the wrong people group. He's a nothing. He's born into the wrong community. The village he comes from is nothing. He's born into the wrong family. They're nothing. He sent his wife home. He ran away. He's a refugee claimant. He's just bad. And yet, he's being used to reach thousands of kids for Christ. And he's on the national news. And amazing things are happening through him. I don't understand. And I said to him, it's because Jean Paul has a new dad. He has a new dad. His dad is not from the wrong people group. His dad is in heaven preparing a home for him. His dad has sent his son, Jesus Christ, to redeem him. His dad has put his Holy Spirit into him, and he's moving about from that realm of heaven. It's unearthly. Who is your father? Is a spirit in you, Greg? That's the signal. When we come to Jesus and see him as God's son, when we see ourselves as sinners, lost and forever enslaved to whatever might numb the pain of the reality of who we are, and then we get honest with him, and tell him we're, how we really see ourselves. We tell him the truth. Truth is, remember when Jesus says, do you have faith for healing? Somebody asks for healing. says, do you have faith? He says, yes, I believe. Help my unbelief. He says, I, I believe. Truth is, I don't, I don't believe. But I don't want to not believe. It's very good. That faith will move mountains. He says, just be honest. Be honest with me. Who are you? What's going on in your life? Be honest. Humble yourself. And I will lift you up. I will move in you and through you. In ways you can't imagine. Be honest. Humble yourself. And we get a new identity. He will not hide himself from us. We'll read God's word and we'll say, This is my father speaking. And we'll open up the Bible and say, what are you saying? Father, what do you have for me today? Show me about yourself. Do you like drinking milk, Dad? When you read the scripture each day, say, I want to learn something new about my father today. I want to get to know you more. Who are you? And then you read the Old Testament and you go, this is my father. Throughout the Old Testament, this is my dad. This is my heritage. And you see the spirit moving in the Old Testament. You go, this is the same spirit that's in me today. Holy Spirit, let's go back there and see that story. Can you show me some things that are not here? Show me, show me some peripheral. Show me these other people. They're mentioned in the story. What about them? And then you research and you find amazing things about these people. That's our father. Who breathed life into a clump of clay. His Holy Spirit... He says, this is how I've made you to live, with my spirit in you. 
Then we go to Pentecost when that same spirit comes into us and everybody goes, ha 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 ha, ho ho ho. And when the spirit comes in, you go, daddy, you recognize you have a father, not an orphan, not a victim, a son of God. Father, you love it when we call you father. You love it. You love it when we come to you and say, Dad, can I have a pop? And you say yes, or no, or wait a bit. You love it when we come to you and ask you all the little things. Dad, why is the grass green? Dad, why did the leaves move in the wind? You love to tell us. You love to tell us. Dad, how come they're discovering new creatures in the jungles that haven't been there before? Have they been there all along or did you just create them now to confuse people? (laughs) Yeah, Father, that's something you would do. (laughs) Father, you love to invite us to sit on your lap and to tell us, tell you our pain and struggles. That's why you give us the Psalms. You say, tell me, tell me about your hurt. Tell me about your pain. I want you to know I love you. I'll take care of you. Father, there's things that you're asking me to do. How am I going to do them? And then you say to us, I know I've asked you to do them, but when I ask you to do them, I'm going to make a way and provide and let's just keep being together, shall we? Son, let's just keep being together. Let's stay in touch. Let's communicate well. Father, thank you for Jesus Christ. Emmanuel, come at Christmas. God with us. You want to be with us. And you want to be with us to be with you forever. And you go to prepare a place for us. Father, I love to call you Father. You never leave. You never forsake. You are always with me. Thank you, Father. Amen.